Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 485 for the 20th of March, 2016. This week, phishing messages are becoming harder to spot. That makes them more dangerous. From the free Slate application to Lightroom and Photoshop and on to Dreamweaver and other apps, Adobe turned on the release Firehose this week. In short circuits, one more step remains in the approval process for Western Digital and SanDisk to merge. Increasingly, office workers are working from places other than the office. After I figured out what was causing an Amazon video not to play, I explained what I did to Amazon support, and the support technician then told me to do exactly what I had already told him I had done. In spare parts, only on the website, a new way to think about retirement, Kaspersky says its new protective applications for business networks seek out targeted attacks. And the creator of the annual Ig Nobel Prize ceremony will be the keynote speaker at a conference on the Internet of Things. Last week, I described an unsophisticated fraud. This week, let's look at some of the reasons that phishing has become a huge profit center for organized crime. Protective applications have only minimal effect when it comes to stopping a sophisticated phishing attack. Large companies are under near-constant attack from outsiders who send messages that look almost like messages from within the company. Usually, there are clear indications that the message is a fraud, but only to the trained observer. Unfortunately, most people who work for corporations aren't trained observers. If a message appears to be from a co-worker and the request sounds plausible, there's a good chance the employee will simply follow instructions. An annual report by Wombat Security Technologies shows that not only are phishing attacks increasing in number, but they're also becoming harder to spot. They are also astonishingly expensive. Wombat's cost analysis includes the cost of containing malware, additional costs of malware that can't be contained, loss of productivity, the cost to replace compromised credentials, and costs incurred when credentials are lost. The total cost for an average-sized business to recover from a successful phishing incident is more than $3.5 million. The average business, for the sake of this research, is just under 10,000 employees. Some 85% of those surveyed said that they had seen a phishing attack in 2015, and 60% said the rate of phishing attacks has increased. You might be wondering how the value of malware that isn't contained can be calculated. This represents the cost of malware that evaded traditional defenses such as firewalls, anti-malware software, and intrusion prevention systems. The calculations determine probable maximum loss, or PML. That's the value of the largest loss that could result from cyber attacks assuming the normal functioning of perimeter controls and other commonly deployed security technologies. Insurance companies frequently use the PML to determine risk exposures. The cost of wasted employee time is a significant factor. 
The survey shows that employees waste an average of a little over four hours a year due to phishing scams. That may not sound like a lot, but for that average company of 10,000 people, it's more than 41,000 hours. The range of times reported was as low as one hour and as high as 25 hours per year per person. And then there's spear phishing, or targeted phishing. It increased in 2015. Nearly 70% of respondents said they had seen that kind of attack. When attackers use a template that mimics the corporate email template, the attack becomes a lot more dangerous because it appears more legitimate. It's even worse when the creator of the bogus email has enough information to address their victims by name. The survey reported that telecommunications industries had the worst incidents of infection, followed by consulting, law, and accounting firms. Government agencies were also frequent targets of attacks. Plugins used by employees also increase the risk because some of them are out of date. The most dangerous outdated plugins that are used to launch malware are the Adobe PDF Reader, Adobe Flash, Microsoft Silverlight, and Java. Nearly all companies say that they train employees to spot phishing messages. Most also use spam filters, outbound proxies, and some form of advanced malware analysis and detection. There are days, most days in fact, when I'm really glad that I'm not a corporate IT manager. take a refreshing sip from the Adobe water fountain this week was a bit startling, perhaps even daunting. Camera Raw, Lightroom, Photoshop, After Effects, Dreamweaver, Bridge, and Slate all received updates. Possibly the most fun comes from Slate. That's a free application that runs on desktop computers via a browser and on Apple and Android mobile devices. Slate allows users to make sophisticated website presentations and share them all for free. Slate has an interface that most users will figure out how to use in, oh, probably about a minute. You can download images from your computer or use images from Creative Cloud, Lightroom, Dropbox, and Google. Select the images, add some text, and share your presentation. It's really just that easy. Because it's so easy, though, there are some limitations. Text boxes, for example, can be moved from one side of an image to the other, but that's about it. There are several themes to choose from, but chances are people will want more. And sound, of course. Adding sound would be good. Those are probably all features that are coming in future releases. For now, though, Slate is a great way to create a presentation that looks like it must have taken hours to do. It must have required a substantial knowledge of HTML5, CSS3, and general web wizardry. In fact, it requires none of that. I have a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website to a presentation I put together in about 10 minutes using some images I had on the computer from December. 
be sure to click the image, then scroll through the presentation to see what you think of it. The most exciting release this week from Adobe was the project formerly known as Comet. It is now Adobe Experience Design CC, and it's available in a public preview, but for Macs only from the Adobe website. Adobe elected to develop for a single platform initially so that software iterations would move quickly. At the end of the public preview, developers will start working on a Windows version. And maybe you're wondering just what the heck an experience design is. Well, I think of it as a pre-development tool, kind of a sketch pad. Today's websites need to work on desktop computers, tablets, and phones. There are plenty of tools to use in creating the sites, and Adobe makes some of them, Dreamweaver and Muse, for example. Adobe XD, however, is intended to be used ahead of those products to lay out the overall look and feel of the site and to design how components change as screen size changes. As such, it works in conjunction with other Creative Cloud apps such as Illustrator, Muse, Photoshop, and Dreamweaver. The goal is to reduce planning time and speed development, and it looks like it's going to be successful in doing that. That's not all, though. Updates to Lightroom and Camera Raw are relatively modest this time around. Several new camera models are supported, but every new release of these products supports some new cameras. Some improvements have also been made to Boundary Warp. That's a feature that was released in the previous version, and a few bugs have been fixed. For Dreamweaver, the enhancements in the new version range from features for use by new users to features for highly advanced users. At the high end of the scale, the Document Object Model panel has been improved. It now has support for multiple selections, tag editing, class editing, ID editing, and the ability to insert new elements. Page layout on the web is becoming increasingly complex, and this feature will give power users some help. At the other end of the spectrum, Adobe has added several new starter templates that beginning users can call on to create an impressive site that includes responsive design even if they don't know much about how to create and manage responsive design. In short circuits, the Western Digital SanDisk merger chugs ahead. This is one of the most logical mergers in many years. Western Digital estimates that its merger with SanDisk will generate $500 million in additional profits within a year and a half. That's good news for investors, but it also looks like a winner for those of us who buy disk drives and solid-state storage media. Shareholders in the two companies approved the merger this week. In a filing with the Securities and Exchange Commission, Western Digital said the deal values SanDisk at approximately $17 billion. It's not a completely done deal yet, though. Chinese regulatory authorities need to approve combining traditional disk drive manufacturer Western Digital with flash memory maker SanDisk. In 2015, Unisplendor, a Chinese company, tried to buy 15% of Western Digital stock for a little under $4 billion. But the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S. opposed the deal, and Unisplendor dropped the offer. 
Western Digital and SanDisk have already received regulatory approvals from regulators in the U.S., Japan, South Korea, and elsewhere. The deal should close before mid-year. Growth has been slowing for both traditional disc makers and for flash disc manufacturers, so the merger is aimed mainly at cutting costs. If you're a knowledge worker, you might be wondering whether your job will be around in five years or so. About one-third of knowledge workers say that their current jobs probably won't exist in 2021. Office work in general is in a state of rapid change with more contract workers and online virtual office workers. So if you're feeling more dispensable, you're probably right. And technology is playing a big part in this. A survey of 9,000 office workers in the U.S., the U.K., and Germany shows that 35% believe their current roles will not exist in five years, and 65% say their roles will not look the way they do today. The work environment is changing fast, and change is accelerated by what's being called the on-demand economy and a global transformation of digital operations. The Way We Work survey was commissioned by Unify, a company that provides communications and collaboration software and services. The survey of 9,000 people whose job is to think for a living asked about current conditions, attitudes, and expectations in their working lives. The new reality is virtual. Slightly more than half of knowledge workers now work in virtual teams that are often distributed across offices. Many think that's a good thing. 42% said virtual teams can be more effective than face-to-face teams, and nearly half report that their organizations operate through technology and communication rather than through offices and locations. 36% of the respondents said that creative thinking is one of the biggest benefits of working with people outside of traditional teams and physical locations. Virtual teams are being created by using cloud technology. 57% of respondents say they use on-demand tools for teamwork, project management, and collaboration. Overall, office work is really changing. Work is no longer a place you travel to. Knowledge workers in the survey overall spend about 20% of their time outside the office, and a little over a quarter said they'd like to spend up to half of their time working outside the office. Nearly 70% say a physical office is a lot less important than it used to be. But don't erect a tombstone for the office just yet. Only 7% of knowledge workers said that they would prefer to spend all of their time outside the office. One in five of the knowledge workers surveyed currently work as freelancers or contractors. 53% say they would consider changing to a freelance or on-demand model of work over regular employment if it were offered. This might be because it gives workers more control of their time. Work-life balance may be improving. Some half of the respondents say that the work-life balance has improved in their family in the last five years. The survey defines knowledge workers as employees whose main capital is knowledge, those whose jobs are to think for a living. For the Way We Work study, the knowledge workers selected were also those that had engagement with technology in their day-to-day jobs.
Amazon seems to have offshored their support staff, and sometimes Amazon support just doesn't quite get it. There's a backstory to this, so I'll start with that. I've been reading a series of books about a Los Angeles Police Department detective, a homicide detective, Harry Bosch. The series is written by Michael Connolly. As it turns out, Amazon Prime Video has adapted the books, and I decided to watch the videos. This is despite Connolly's technical errors in some of his early books. He confused speakers with microphones and strobe lights with continuous source lights. He specified X-ray technology for hand scanners, and he had Bosch use Simplex Rovers over a range that could never be. A Simplex Rover is essentially a walkie-talkie. But still, the books tell interesting stories, so I thought I'd watch the videos. Well, the video just wouldn't play in Firefox. So I contacted Amazon Support and explained what I saw. Amazon Support suggested that Microsoft Silverlight was the problem. Per your email, I understand that the Boss Season 1 doesn't appear. You are getting error 7135. Please don't worry. I'll certainly help you with this. I'm sorry for the inconvenience caused to you. We really don't our customers to experience this. It sounds like you may need to uninstall and reinstall the Silverlight player. Okay, so I uninstalled Silverlight and reinstalled Silverlight. No change. The likely cause was a Firefox plug-in, and it didn't take long to determine that the problem was FasterFox. I explained that to Amazon this way. It wasn't Silverlight. The problem was a Firefox add-on. I suspect that you probably have a list of add-ons that cause problems with Amazon Prime Video. If not, you certainly should have one. Then minor issues such as this could be resolved by email. The plug-in that caused the problem for me is FasterFox. I had installed it for testing, and I know that it's known as a plug-in that can cause problems. That should be on your list, shouldn't it? The response from Amazon was somewhat perplexing. I understand that you've determined the real cause of the issue. We are happy to hear from you, and I appreciate you for taking your time to share this with us. I apologize that our service did not meet your expectations, and also for the inconvenience caused to you due to this. Well, so far so good. But then the message went on. I see that the issue is not with Silverlight, but with Firefox add-on FasterFox. I'd request you to try installing this Firefox add-on plugin and try watching the video using Firefox browser. If any issue persists, I'd gladly recommend you try using our HTML5 video player. The HTML5 video player provides the best playback performance and less buffering. What's wrong with that? Well, I had already explained that eliminating FasterFox eliminated the problem, so suggesting that I remove it didn't really make a lot of sense. It's clear that Amazon employs people who use English as a second language, and that these people are given a series of canned text responses that they use to compose answers. For example, further, to ensure utmost attention, I have also forwarded your email personally as a feedback to our Amazon video team so that they know where we are lacking and add this to our list as well. We are constantly working hard to improve our video service, and we are happy that you wrote to us about this. I'd like to add that customers' feedback like yours really helps us to continue to improve our products and provide better service to our customers. Well, that's a pretty good example of boilerplate text, but here's one more in case you're interested. The last thing I ask you is to allow us another opportunity to serve you, as we consider this our privilege to provide you top-notch AIV service. Your patience and understanding is greatly appreciated in this matter. We look forward to a very warm and fruitful association with you. 
We'd appreciate your feedback. Please use the links below to tell us about your experience today. So, in effect, Amazon provided no response to my suggestion that they should have a list of plugins known to cause problems with their video service. Oh, and by the way, the videos really are well done, even though they conflate incidents that occurred in a dozen novels or so. People who die in the books sometimes live in the videos, and one key unarmed criminal in the books turns out to have a gun in the videos. And Harry Bosch's military experience? Well, it's been moved up to Iraq instead of Vietnam. And you can move up to spare parts only on the website. This week, a new way to think about retirement. Kaspersky says its new protective applications for business networks seek out targeted attacks. And the creator of the annual Ig Nobel Prize ceremony will be the keynote speaker at a conference on the Internet of Things. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.